I'll talk about today, and this kind of, you know, Pastor Mike, when he was alive, he told me something. He said, Boog, he said, when you, um, there's a lot of sermons out there, and a lot of good ones, but a lot of times when you have something that sticks to you, you know, it's kind of like glue. You know, when something's glued to something, you know, you can't let it go. It sticks to you. It's a lot of times that's when God wants you to talk or speak about it. So, you know, you're kind of like a, you're kinda, you're kinda like a kid at a candy store. You got a bunch of sermons. And they're all good, but then God just points you to one directive one, and that's the one he wants you to do. So I'm going to do that today. So I want to encourage everybody to go to chapter, uh, we'll go to Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to start at verse 8. Now the sermon today, it is Jehovah Nisi, not Nisi, means the Lord is my banner. We're going to talk about that today, and I'm going to apply to us today as a Christian life or walk a little bit and I'm going to talk about some other things that's very important in here as well. So when all you're at, when you find your place, I don't want to lose nobody. Uh, 17, chapter 17 and verse 8. And then when you're ready, I'm going to give you a little history, a little background because it's going to help if we get a little background to what's going on right here. All right. When you all ready, say amen. amen. Okay. All right. Now, in this chapter right here, Moses and the children of Israel, they're in the wilderness, you know, they came out of Egypt, you know, God parted the Red Sea and stuff. So at this point, they're walking around the desert. They're nomads at the time. They're having tents. They're moving here and here and there. They're not settled in the land of Canaan quite yet. So right here, they're moving around, they're traveling, and there's a lot of people, those thousands, maybe millions of people that was with Moses at the time. And so God's doing miracles. If you read later on in this chapter, if y'all want to, if y'all take time, God's did a lot of miracles for Israel. You know, God fed a manna. God just gave water from a rock. You know, so God is actually doing a lot of miracles at this point. Even they don't deserve it. A lot of times they're complaining, they're murmuring, you know, and it's not sometimes asking God or asking God for something, but the way, even complaining sometimes, but the way they did it, the Lord was angry because they, they strife with God. Their doubt took it really far. So God, that's what God really made God really angry with them. But anyway, God is doing miracles after miracles. Now, at this point, as an independent nation, Israel's about to fight their, really their first battle. So you got to remember now, these are slaves. I mean, these, they, never, they never fought in their life. The Egyptians protected them. I mean, so they didn't have to, all they had to do was work and be slaves. That's all they knew was work and slavery. That's all, that's everything they knew. That was their whole life. So they never fought. They never had their own independence to this point. So now they're about to go and they're about to fight a battle. And God's about to work in this third miracle we call. Think about to fight these people. They're called the Amakites. Now, I'm going to give you a little history before we start reading who the Amakites were. And uh, I did not notice until I did a little research last night, but they were actually related, this tribesmen or these groups of people, this nation, they were actually related to King, uh, not King Saul, about to say King Saul, um, uh, Jacob's uh, brother, uh, Esau. They were actually, I think Esau, it was Esau's, um, uh, his uh, grandson, matter of fact, they came from. 
So these people, they were related to the Jewish people, the Moabites, the Edomites, the term, not the termites, no, no, they weren't related to Israel. Anyway, but the other groups, they were related to Israel. They were cousins, you know, they were one way related to Abraham. So Israel had a lot of neighbors and a lot of them, they were cousins. Matter of fact, one of, Israel, one of Israel's big enemies were actually related to them. So that's pretty amazing right there. But that's all right. We do the same thing. We fight with cousins and nephews and, and nieces and everybody. So we fight with our own family. So what's the difference, right? So they fight with their family. So these groups of people are their groups of families right here. And we're going to talk about right here. It says, and it came to pass, uh, they fought with Israel in uh, Hermon. And uh, verse, uh, verse 9. And Moses said, unto, uh, Moses said unto Joshua, choose you out men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Uh, verse 9. So, right here, you got to realize something right here. Israel is about their journey. Like I said, they're going to, they're journeying up to the promised land. And here the Amalekites come. Now remember, the reason why God, we're going to read in this chapter, I think more why God was angry with them, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But the thing is, the Israelites, they were minding their own business. They're like, hey, we, we're just traveling to the wilderness. You know, they're focusing on the promised land. You know, they're ready to go, and, and they're going to Mount Sinai, and they're ready to get the law of God. So their mind is on their journey. And these Amalekites, they were kind of like nomads. I don't know if you know what nomads were. They, 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 they didn't have a settled place. They were a group of people. They traveled, they had tents, they traveled here and there, you know, they moved all over. It's kind of like a modern-day people who travel with mortar homes, you know. They had to hook up to their trucks, you know, these, these what do they call these, these they, yeah, campers or whatever, and they go all over, and some people do that. They travel all over, and they're kind of like the modern-day nomads. They have no set of place, they just go all over. So these, pre, these groups of people, they were nomads, they traveled all over, and they were warlike culture. Matter of fact, they actually did war on their horses. I mean, these people, that's all they knew was plunder. They knew warfare. That was their trade. That was, that was their whole life was plundering. and kind of, They were kind of like a modern pirate, I guess you can say. You know, that was their, that was their thing. That was, their, that was, their, that was their, their, the stuff they did. And you got to think about it. Israel, to this point, never a war in their life. You know, like I said, they never trained in military. They never had no chance. They didn't have the weapons even you know, as these groups had. So they had more advantage to destroy Israel. Or they, and if you put them with a contest, Israel would have been the lost one because Israel had no, mil no military experience at all compared to these guys. So that's why it's supernatural. And it says, now let's go to verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Now we're going to stop it here for example. Now Joshua, I don't know, you know, those of you who's been in the Bible studies and stuff, we know we went through the book of uh, Exodus. Joshua actually means Jesus. So if you put it in English terms, you know, so it's amazing how God chose Joshua and it's the same thing with us spiritually speaking. When we're out to fight the enemies of God, we have to have our general Joshua with us. If we don't have our general Joshua leading us, we won't fight and win over the battle that God has, uh, God has guided us to do. So we need our Joshua to, to defend the Malachites, spiritually speaking. And these Malachites, 
in a spiritual sense, you will have Melekites fighting in your life because, you know, when you're doing the work of God, you know, you cannot expect the devil or his minions just to sit back and like, oh, wow, they're, you know, they'd be some nice little Christians today. They want a soul of Christ. Oh, how sweet to be. You know, they're not going to be nice to you. They're not, they're, the devil's not going to sit back and say they, they conquered a territory for me. You know, he's going to fight. He's going to send his minions. He's going to send his demons. He's going to send his, even people in general. Matter of fact, he mo- probably uses more people than he does his own demons. You'd be surprised how much people he uses. But he will send spiritual Amalekites to go and, and raid your home, you know, take the prosperity God has for you, you know, steal the promises of God in your life. And, these will, and the, the, the devil will plunder. You know, he's kind of like, you know, you ever saw that old TV show, uh, Dead or Alive? You know, that old Western show where the man, he's, he has a poster and he has wanted dead or alive and he's hunting for these people. You make money or whatever, you're hunting for these people. That's what Satan kind of does, you know. And uh, <laughs> you, you, you're on the devil's hit list. You know, you want it dead or alive. You know, he's out to get you. You know, you, you, you're on his target. So, so, that's what, so that's what's happening here. Satan is trying to discourage Israel. He's trying to send them these battles. He's trying to, you know, do all these things to discourage Israel. And it said, and it came to pass, uh, verse 11, and it came to pass when Moses lifted up his hands and Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, the Amalekites uh, prevailed. Now, in, in the culture, now, it, that's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not against the Bible or nothing. It's just that's how we were raised, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's an American thing, really. When we pray, you know, like, there's cultures pray differently. Like us, when we pray, we put our hands together. Like the famous prayer I like is a picture where they show a prayer hand, where they show like a hand praying like this. So it's not against the Bible. It's just, like I said, it's culture or something we do or something. But some cultures, they pray different. In the Jewish culture, they will lift up their hands. That was a sign of surrender. You know, so Moses is surrendering to God. You know, and that's also a sign of prayer. See, when you pray and you lift up your hands... It's a sign of surrender to God, and that's what Moses was doing. See, we can't do nothing without God's help, and we have to have prayer to make it, you know. And if you have, you lift up your hands to surrender to God, that's what put, helps win you the war when you pray. You know, when you pray, it's a battlefield, you know, it's a trench war, you know. You're in a battle for your life when you pray, and you're praying for your community, or you're praying for your family, or you're praying for your friends or your neighbors. It's a war. It's a prayer zone. You know, it's a war zone. I'm sorry, it's a war zone. And that's the same thing what Moses is doing. He knows he's about to enter a war zone, but he's lifting up his hands, and he's praying. But you notice when he puts his hands down, that's when the Amalekites lose. So same thing with us. When we lift, long as we have our hands lifted up, long as we have praise unto God and giving him the glory, him the victory, that's when Satan will lose. That's when this, you know, the armed forces will fail. But when you put your hands down, you put it in doubt, or you, you don't trust in God, you're not surrendering, you know, you will lose the war. You know, mostly of our pride, you know, we have pride or whatever our situation is. We're like, well, we don't need God. You know, we can put our hands down. That's when the Amalekites, spiritually speaking, in your life will win the battle and take over. And then another thing, too, while I'm thinking about it, you know, Moses represents a minister. He represents the, the preacher. You know, a lot of people think, I don't know why, but some people got this mentality. When, a pre- when you see a preacher, you see a teacher, or somebody that's behind a pulpit, we actually think they're Superman. We actually think, oh, wow, they have no problems. You know, they all got it all together. You know, it's just us laymen that don't, 
lay people, you know, we just, that means people who's in the audience like y'all are, fancy word to say it. But, you know, and you'll think, well, they look at them, well, they got it all together, you know, they, they you know, they, they're Superman Christians, you know, they could fight anything and do anything. But Moses, he needed some people to lift up his arms. It's the same thing with a pastor or a teacher or even people in the group. Sometimes, you know, you get down and sometimes you need people, even you're strong, you need people to lift up your arms when you're fighting. And, you know, you know, because it, it, it's awesome when you can have someone that can call and, or, you know, someone that can, you know, text these days. I know most of y'all, I mean, me and Dubug text, but the other, I mean, some of y'all maybe text. I don't know. But anyway, text somebody. I call somebody and say, hey, we God laid on my heart to, like, talk to you today. You know, I heard you were down today. You know, you know I'll pray for you. You know, that you lift up those people's arms because people need your encouragement. People need an Aaron or an Ur to pick up people's arms when they're down and discouraged. Uh, Twelve. But this is amazing right here. It says, but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it underneath him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Ur stood up on his, uh, stood his hands on the one on the other side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady under the going down the sun. Now, right here, most people believe when they say Ur, they're like, who is this Ur or whatever? Well, there's, it don't say in the Bible per se, but some people think, it's just a speculation, that some people think that that was Moses' brother-in-law. That was Miriam's husband. So it don't say that. That's just something people suggest what it could be. I heard even somebody say it was, it, was, uh, it was Aaron's sister, but I don't think so either. But whoever this guy was, God used him, you know, to help Moses to keep his arms up. And he, his, his name actually means light. So Jesus is the light of the world. So that's pretty amazing. And Aaron, Aaron is the priestlyhood. So Aaron represents Christ. So, and then the stone, Jesus is our cornerstone. So you think about it, all these three come together to help Moses. So just like us, we need the, we need the cornerstone, we need the light, we need the priestlyhood of Jesus to help us fight our everyday battles. So that's what, ha- that's what helped Moses when he was weak. So when we're weak, we need an Aaron, we need an Ur that's light, and Aaron the priesthood, and we need the stone, you know, that's Jesus Christ and him crucified to carry us on and give us the victory over the Malachites, spiritually speaking. So, and now we will get to right here, uh, verse 13. And Joshua confirmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword, and the Lord said unto Moses, write for a memory in the book and release in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly, destroy, utterly put the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and watch. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Je- Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will war with Amalek from his generation to generation. Now we also we have the altar when it says Moses built an altar. Now, if you look in the scriptures, you know, we, if you, some of us was in Bible study and stuff like that, we, uh, Christ always appears somewhere in the Old Testament. There's some, there's, he appears himself or there's something in there that symbolizes Christ or points everything back to Christ. You know, we say the Old Testament is kind of like, I don't, I'm not much into football per se or whatever, but it's a good analogy. Like in football, for example, you have the cheerleaders out there. They're not the game. They're not really the big event 
that people really go see, you think about it in a way. They're just there to pump up the people. They're there to get the people energized, to get people ready for the big game that is coming, and that's the football players. So that's what the Old Testament is. You see these similarities, and you see, like, the altar here, the stone, and all these things. It's to point you to Christ. You know, the Old Testament is the cheerleader. You know, they, they get you all pumped up. They're getting you ready to watch for the big game is coming, and that is Christ. So that's important why we see a Joshua in here. Joshua is our general. He's our leader. He guides us in battle. We see Aaron mean the priestlyhood. We see Ur that means light. And the stone, you know, Moses sits on the stone. And another thing too, Moses symbolizes the law. So Moses has to lean on Christ. You see, you can't lean on the law because then the law in itself cannot save you. The law itself can only show you that you need a savior. It's, like, it's kind of like a mirror. I believe it was James that said that, that it, it's like a mirror is to show you how ugly you were. It showed you that you needed a savior. You needed the cornerstone. You needed Christ. So Moses being the law giver, he had to lean on Christ. So it's amazing how a lot of people, they look to law and they say, well, the law is going to save you or the law is going to give you victory or the law is going to be your helper. But the law, Moses, who symbolized the law, he needed Christ to help him. So I, didn't, I just noticed that when I was over there early. I was like, oh, wow, amazing. And then he built an altar. Every time you hear a stone or an altar or you hear these things, it's pointing you to Christ. Because you see the people of old are Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and even Moses and all the old patriarchs. You know, they had to look forward to what was to come. They didn't have nothing to save them at that time. So when they died, they went to paradise and they waited until when Christ died to release them out of paradise. But till then, all they had was symbols. All they had was these things to point them and to remind them of Christ that was coming. So... So I find it that's actually pretty amazing here. So I really hope that, you know, everything is situation in life, you know, when you're looking for help, you know, Satan will always do something to try to get your attention off. And, you know, when you have the cross and you have the word of God and you have the promises of God. And another thing, too, I want to say something that, that's kind of amazing. When Moses was up on that hill, see, the, Moses was their encouragement. Like when they looked up and they saw Moses with the staff and they saw Moses up there, they were like, as long as Moses has his staff up, as long as he has his arms up, you know, we are victorious. So it encouraged them when they saw Moses, when Joshua and Israelites, the great warriors, when they saw Moses, they're like, oh, wow, we have confidence that as long as Moses is up on that mountain holding that hand, God is going to deliver us. It's kind of like us, you know, we need encouragement. And that so. People don't realize the word of God is a correction, and it shows your way of salvation, but it also, it encourages you. Because, for example, when you're going through everyday life, you know, you need this encouragement. Like, for example, when you're going through things, you know, the word of God helps you to overcome these things. And, like, it also, take example, like, when you're going through a lot of worldly things, like the world's trying to pull you away or something like that from the word of God, you know, when you think about the the new heaven and the new earth and like, you know, the crown of righteousness, you know, these things are to encourage you. These things are like, hey, you know, I know I'm suffering now. I know that, you know, I'm fighting Melekites. I'm fighting a lot of things. But as long as I'm looking to Christ and to his promises, I will make it. I will survive, you know, as long as the Lord's hand is up and I'm praising, lifting my hands and I'm surrendering to him, I will be okay. I will make it. 
you know, so that's why I was encouraging, like, when you look at the word of God, also look for promises, because there's plenty of them in there. Just like Moses, you look to the word, and you look to God, and you look to the cross, and you're like, you look at the promise of God. These things strengthen you. These things give you strength to overcome this world and the things you are facing. So I encourage you today to look to the stone, look to the altar, look to Ur, look to Joshua, thank you, and look to you know, Aaron, for your deliverance.